But if you got your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 is where we're going to be this morning. Tonight, or this morning, our message is simply called Preparing People. Now, I've been away for two weeks, and so as I was preparing this message, the majority of my preparation happened about two weeks ago as I was preparing for this message because I thought, I'm going to be away, and it's going to be kind of hard for me to really focus and, and really prepare myself and write everything down and get it all together and take my commentaries and read. And so God began to prepare this message a couple of weeks ago, and and then, of course, last night I sat down. We got in about midnight, uh, technically Saturday morning is when we finally arrived home. And I got home, and of course I rested and then spent some time studying and preparing. But it was this morning about 5 o'clock that God really spoke to me. And at 5 o'clock this morning, my wife just kind of bumps me, and she says, put your mask on. <laughs> so... I woke up to being bumped by my wife telling me to put my mask on. Uh, if you know, I have sleep apnea, so I've got one of those big old Darth Vader masks. And uh, so I put it on, but it just made me start praying right then and right there. And God began to, to speak to me while I was praying. And as I was praying about it, and I was praying as I was going over this message in my mind and thinking about the scriptures that I had read, and God was preparing me, and, and I just continued to pray and he said, I've been talking to you for two weeks. Been talking to you for two weeks now. And I've been wanting you to understand something. This morning I'm going to be a little vulnerable. And I pray that you receive it in the right spirit. But I pray that it speaks to you and may speak to you and change your heart where you're at right now. But as I was sitting there and I was praying this morning... And praying and prepping for this message, God began to say, I've been speaking to you for a couple of weeks, and I've been telling you something that you didn't want to hear, but I needed to say it to you. And I said, yes, Lord, I, I heard what you said to me over the last two weeks. And here's what he said to me. He said, you've been lazy. And I said, Lord, I preach three times a week where a lot of churches don't have still three services. I'm teaching a Sunday school class because I don't want to lose that younger generation. I prep all week and I do all this stuff. And of course, I tried to do like so many others and give my resume to God. And I tried to sit down and say, God, I, I'm doing a lot. And he goes, no, 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 no. I didn't ask for excuses. I said you were lazy. And I had to start thinking about what God was saying to me. And I realized what it was. And I said, you know, Lord, you're right. Because when I punch out at 4 o'clock, I'll go home a lot of times. And I'll just sit in front of the television and I'll vegetate. And then I'll go down and I'll make dinner and we'll eat dinner together. And then I'll go back up and I'll get in front of the television and I'll vegetate till it's time for me to go to bed. And I, I wasn't reading like I should. I mean, I would read the Bible and spend time with God, and I, I would pray some, but not like I should. And God just goes, you're being lazy. And it's not, it's not fun when God gets in your face like that. And he said, I know you've been doing a lot, but here's the problem. The problem is, is you have replaced the best with just doing what is good and acceptable. 
And God said, I've not called you to be good. I've called you to do great. And you're replacing it with what comes easy sometimes. As God began to speak to me and prepare my heart, I'm hoping that he's telling you maybe the same things. Because I I taught today in the Sunday school class on Revelation chapter 2, the church at Ephesus that had left its first love. And sometimes you don't realize you've left your first love until God gets in your face and says, you're not serving me like you used to. And you're not spending time with me like you used to. And you've not been doing all that you should be doing. And so often we can become selfish and say, well, I deserve that time. And I deserve to be able to do what I want to do. No, 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 no. If you are a Christian, you have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. It's no longer time for you to do what you want to do. I'm here to tell you, we live in a day and age and in a world that it is time for Christians to step up and stop placating to the world and to stop allowing ourselves to feel like we deserve something more. We don't deserve something more. What we need to do is serve more. Oh, Christian, I wonder... If God may be getting in your face right now and saying, you're lazy. I hope you'll wake up. And I hope you'll listen because it is a sin to be good when God wants you to be great. This morning we're going to look at two people that God prepared to bring salvation to the Gentiles. And we're going to see how God worked in their life. How God prepared them for what he was getting ready to do. First, we're going to look at him preparing Cornelius. Look with me in verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what is called the Italian regiment. A devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers... And your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. He'll tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier and among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained to these things, all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. God was preparing Cornelius. Now, here's the thing. Cornelius was a good man, but God was preparing him for salvation. He was from Caesarea, which is the very main area where Philip evangelized in Acts chapter 8. He was a centurion, so he was over 100 soldiers. This guy had an amazing natural pedigree, but he also had a pretty impressive spiritual resume. In verse 2, we see this spiritual resume given here. It says, he was a devout man and one who feared God. He was a spiritual man. 
He was devout. He was faithful. I can tell you that Cornelius was probably faithful to go to the synagogue. He was probably faithful in his prayers as we're going to see. And probably faithful in serving and doing so many things. And I tell you today, there are a lot of spiritual people in church who were faithful to church, but they fail in being faithful to God. You see, you can come to church every time the doors are open and still miss heaven. You can be faithful in following all the traditions and still miss heaven. He was a devout man. He was faithful. He was even spoken of by God to be a devout man and a God-fearer. They probably feared God because he didn't want to keep in sin because he knew that sin was wrong and he feared God for that. He feared the discipline of God. And many people today in the church, they fear God in the sense that they just don't want to go to hell. But being a God-fearer is not enough. Being faithful is not enough. He was a spiritual man, but I'm here to tell you, there'll be a lot of spiritual people in hell. You know, we went to Greece And they told us that over 95% of that country is Christianized. 95%. They're Greek Orthodox. Now what's interesting is we listened to the tour guide talk there. And she shared about this place and how amazing it was. She also made this statement. She said, you know, we go to church when we want to. You know, we're not like you guys in America. We don't go every time the doors are open. We go when we want to. If, If there's time available, we go. Now, I can tell you this, they followed a lot of the traditions, and they go through a lot of the motions. And I'm here to tell you, there are a lot of people that follow the traditions and go through the motions. There are a lot of people who are spiritual, but I need you to understand that traditions will not get you into heaven. They will only reserve a spot for you in hell while you think you're going to heaven. You can come to church week in, week out. You can listen to the word. You can be a spiritual person. You can even hold a Bible in your hands. You can even possibly pray and still go to hell. Cornelius was falling short even though he was devout and a God-fear and a spiritual man. He was still missing something. Not only was he a spiritual man, but he was a serving man. Because look at what it says next. It says, who gave alms generously to the people. He gave plentifully. You need to understand there'll be plenty of good people in this world. But good will not get you into heaven. He gave alms generously. He gave financially to help those in need. He had great expenses. And he probably even built them a synagogue. There were so many things that Cornelius probably did with his funds. Several things. there, And I'm telling to tell you, there are a lot of people today that give to help people in need. They give because of hurricane victims. And they give to help out those that have been through floods. And they, they give continuously. You may even know some that are in the Catholic church that give to get aunt so-and-so out of purgatory. But I'm here to tell you, I don't care if you give every dime you have, you can't earn heaven. You can help every poor person in the world. And it sounds spiritual. But if you're not doing it with the right motivation, 
If you're not doing it with the right heart, in fact, that is what Paul talked to the Corinthians about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 3 when he said this, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Giving without the proper motivation is just giving. It has no spiritual significance. You know, the Bible, Jesus asked this question. What will a man give if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? I would say you could go even a little further and say, what could a man give away and yet still lose his own soul? Because if we give for the sake of just trying to earn the grace of God, trying to earn heaven, trying to think God is on our side because we do good works, we will still end up in hell. Cornelius was a good man, and he gave generously, and he helped people in need, and he was faithful. But yet he still fell short. He still needed something more. We see the third thing. Not only was he a serving man, He was also a seeking man because it says, and he prayed to God always. He prayed to God always. I want you to know there are some people that can pray to God and still go to hell. You say, well, how is that? Well, there's because there are certain things called ritual prayers. We got to hear some of that this week. I hadn't heard the Lord's Prayer quoted so much this week. It's almost like I was back playing football again before the game. You can pray the Lord's Prayer all you want, but if you don't know the Lord of the Prayer, you're in trouble. You can pray ritualistically. You can pray blessings over your food, and you can pray before you go to bed. Now I lay me down to sleep. You can pray all these ritualistic prayers, but if you don't know the God of the prayers and you don't have a personal relationship with the one you're praying to, Cornelius was falling short and God was preparing his heart saying, get it right. I've got better things in store for you. You've been going through the motions, following the traditions, but I got something so much more for you. Not only is it about ritual prayers, but it can be about needful prayers I can tell you growing up, I prayed a lot of prayers before tests. God helped me to remember what I studied and helped me to remember what I didn't study. It didn't work. I still failed. Needful prayers. Sometimes we pray out of need. We're in a a state of situation and we begin to pray for somebody who's sick because we can't find anywhere else to turn. Doctors can't help us. So we start praying out of need to Jesus and we start crying out to him like we've never cried out to him before. But I'm telling you, if you don't know the Jesus of the prayer, you can pray for healing all you want when he wants to heal your heart. There's also emergency prayers We probably all prayed those emergency prayers. God, if you'll get me out of such and such, I'll do such and such for you. You see, you can pray all you want. You can pray every morning. You can pray every night. You can pray before every meal. You can pray like the nation of Turkey when we're over there. They're predominantly Muslim. And you can pray every time they have a call to prayer. But if you don't know the God you're praying to, and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ... And Jesus Christ alone. 
You can pray all you want. Cornelius had a great pedigree, had an amazing resume. And some of you in here today, you have a great resume before God. There are some of you in here today and you say, Lord, I've served you. I pray to you. I read your word. I do all these things. I go to church every time the doors are open or at least go on Sunday mornings. I even attend Sunday school when I like what the guy's teaching. God, I got a whole list of things I can lay out there for you. My resume's thick. It's stacked full. It has all kinds of pedigree and all kinds of things that should make you want me. I don't care how thick your resume is. Paul had the thickest resume of all in the book of Philippians. He was a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin. Studied at the feet of Gamaliel. Knew the law. Was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Had zeal for, the, had zeal for all these. He was an amazing man. And he said, it's all worthless. You say, why are you saying it like that? Because I need you today to understand if you don't know Jesus Christ. I need you today to understand that even if you've gone through the rituals, even if you continue to hold to the traditions, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're in great trouble. While we were in Turkey, we got to visit the church of Laodicea. And you know that church, that's the lukewarm church. The problem with the lukewarm Christian is they don't know they're lukewarm. The problem is the lukewarm church was one that had one foot in with Jesus and one foot in the world, and they were straddling the fence. You may say, well, brother, I'm not 50-50. I'm 60-40. Let me explain something to you. You can be 99-1, and and you're still lost. God doesn't want cold he doesn't want lukewarm he wants hot and on fire for him he wants us to be all in not partially in not some of the way in not most of the way in all in fully surrendered all his if that's not you i'm begging you don't waste any more time don't keep straddling the fence and thinking god that is going to be okay with you because the bible says he'll spew you out of his mouth You see, Cornelius was a good man. But I'm here to tell you, hell's going to be full of good people. Heaven will be full of surrendered people. Are you surrendered? Are you all in? But God answers him. As he prayed, it says, in the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel, God coming and saying to him, Cornelius, and when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? At least he heard the voice of God. So he said to him, your prayers and your arms have come up for a memorial before God. I've heard your prayers. Can I tell you the first prayer that God will hear from you? Isn't Lord help that person? Isn't Lord heal that person? It's Lord save me. Lord change me. Lord forgive me. Lord give me your grace. Lord change my life. That's the first prayer he'll hear from you. That's the first prayer he'll answer for you. God wants you. God wants you personally. He doesn't just want you to be playing games. You can pray all the time, but are you touching the throne room of God? Cornelius did. And God said, I got a plan for you, Cornelius. You're not there yet, but I'm going to get you there.
And some of you today, you're not there yet. But God is wanting to get you there. God is wanting to speak to you this morning. I pray you're listening. Because you can be a spiritual person. You can be a serving person. And you can be a seeking person. And as you seek God, the Bible tells us God is a rewarder of faith. Of those that seek him, they will find him. But are you seeking him? Do you know him? He tells him to go find Peter. I think God, Nick Cornelius, did exactly what he was told to do. Go find the guy who can tell you what you need to know. I'm glad you showed up today because guess what? There's several guys here that can tell you what you need to know. There's a church full of people here that can tell you what you need to know. He went and found Peter. But I want you to understand, not only was God preparing Cornelius, because Cornelius sent his soldiers after him, and they went all the way to Joppa to find Peter, but God was also preparing Peter on the other end. Look at verse 9. We see he was preparing a loyal man. Verse 9, the next day as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and an object like a great sheep bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter was a loyal man. He was praying. Now again, you got Cornelius was praying and you got Peter praying. Cornelius was praying But God was trying to reveal himself to Cornelius. Peter knew who he was praying to. Peter knew the one he was in contact with. Peter had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Peter had preached Jesus all over the country. And now God was opening a door for him to go to the Gentiles. Peter was loyal and available and ready. I heard the old saying, and it is true, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Because so often we will make that excuse. God, you don't want to use me. Yes, he does. He wants to use you, but only if you say, right here, ready for duty, sir. You say, well, I don't have the degrees and I don't know the Bible like I should. Then stop making excuses. Get into the word. Get to know the one you should be telling people about and go. We've got to understand we need to be loyal to God. One who loves God will pray and seek his face. If you claim to be a Christian but you have no time for God, how do you know you know him? Peter was loyal. He prayed and God came to him and spoke to him. God still speaks today. Isn't it amazing that God still speaks today? The question is, is are you listening? Can you hear the voice of God? He says, my sheep hear my voice. If you don't hear the voice, then maybe you need to check if you've got the right connection. My sheep hear my voice. He says, Peter, he dropped down this this sheep before him of all these four-footed animals. And God tells him, kill and eat because there's a purpose behind this message. Peter, I I got something for you to do. Peter was a loyal man. Peter was a lawful man. Look at verse 14. And Peter, but Peter said, not so, Lord. How many of you have ever told God no? How'd that work out for you? That doesn't work out too good. 
Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. What This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven. Peter was a lawful man. You say, well, what do you mean? Because Peter understood, according to Leviticus 11, there were only certain animals you could eat. In fact, God had given a list of things they could not eat. And so Peter's going back to the law and going, wait a minute, God, you, you certainly wouldn't contradict what you spoke in the law. You wouldn't tell me to eat something that you told us before not to eat. And God says this, what you call common, I have cleansed. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Sometimes we can allow our traditions to hinder us from what God is wanting us to do. You see, Peter had the wrong mindset. Peter thought, well, I'm obeying the law, but the truth is, is God wants us to obey him, and he will not contradict the law, and he's not contradicting the law here. It really wasn't about food in the first place. It was about what God was preparing Peter to get ready to do. Peter's problem was he was already ready to say no, and some of us do the same thing. I love 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. It tells us there, God isn't giving us a a new commandment. Listen, brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment, you flipped too soon on me. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true of him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. It's old and yet it's new. God is telling them, I've got something that I'm getting ready to do. It's as of old But it's also new, and that was he wanted to reach the Gentiles. He was going to take the message beyond what Israel ever thought they were supposed to take it to. But even from the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, they had been told that God had sent them as a light to the Gentiles. They had refused to follow God's commands. So God was giving them an old and yet a new because they had not obeyed it. But finally, we see that Peter was a learned man. In verse 17, now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, behold, three men are seeking you. Three times the vision, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing For I have sent them. What a message. We just sang believe for it. We just heard the choir sing that song. You said it. I believe it. I love the old bumper sticker. It said God said it. I believe it. That settles it. No, 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 no. God said it. That settles it. Whether I believe it or not. Peter understood. He says, Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I've sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, listen to this, a just man, one who fears God, has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear the words from you. It's amazing. They give Cornelius his pedigree as well. Look at all the wonderful things he's done. But he needs to hear a message from you, Peter. Verse 23 is so cool. Then he invited them in and lodged them. 
Oh, he just broke tradition right there. Jews and Gentiles didn't stay in the same house together. They didn't eat in the same house together. And Peter invites them in where he's at. And then he goes with them. A lot of times our prejudices will keep us from doing what God has called us to do. A lot of times what we think is right will keep us from doing what God knows is right. Peter had to be talked to. Peter had to be shown a vision. Peter had to be shown what God was up to, that God was at work. And here's the thing. God is at work right now. I love what Henry Blackaby said. Instead of praying that God will get on board with your plan, find where God is already at work and get on board with him. It's not about whether God's on board with your plan. It's whether you're on board with his plan. Peter had to be woken up out of his stupor. God was saying, I've got something else for you to do. You've been witnessing to the Jews, but I've got another group of people I need you to go and share the gospel with. I want you to move beyond the stigma of what you've believed. I want you to move beyond the old traditions that you've held on to for so long. I want you to move when I tell you to move. And Peter said, reporting for duty. You see, sometimes God has to prepare us for what he's wanting to do. God is preparing this church for great things, I believe. Brother David and I have talked about it many a times. God is preparing this church for great things. He wants to reach the community of Lebanon. With 53% that are unchurched, I can tell you that it's more like 70 to 75% that are lost. The question is, are you ready to go? Are you ready to serve? You may say, well, Brother John, how can we do that? Well, we've given opportunities for you to learn how to share the gospel. And we go out on Sunday walk and you have neighbors that God wants you to reach out to and coworkers that God wants you to reach out to. God has put you in the mission field. Are you on mission for him? We have ample opportunities. And so often we go, God, if you'll just give me an open door. Stop using the open door as an excuse. He's given you an open command to go and make disciples. God wants you to witness to every person he puts in your path. Don't sit back and say, well, God, you didn't open the door. Then open it. You see, he had to prepare Peter to move forward. The question is, are you willing to be prepped by God? I just wonder today, how is God preparing you? How is God preparing you? Maybe today God is preparing you like he was preparing Cornelius. You need salvation. You've been pondering it. You've been questioning it. You've been tripping over your own desire for faith. You've been doing things long enough your own way. You've been focused on what you want. You've been selfish, and you've yet to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. You've been doing your walk your own way for far too long. Let me tell you something. One of the greatest moments I remember in my ministry was at my first church. And there was an elder lady there who was in her late 70s. Her name was Pearly Reeves. I can never forget that name. Sweet, sweet lady. And she came forward during the invitation. 
And she said this. She said, I've been going to church all these years. And I've been doing all the things the church has told me to. But she said, I never knew I needed a relationship with Jesus. Can you help me? Yes, I can. You can be spiritual. You can be good. You can be faithful. You can be prayerful. You can be loyal. You can be all kinds of things and have a tremendous pedigree. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, just like Cornelius, you can have your resume slated in full, but he's looking at you going, you still need one more thing, and it's better than everything you have written down. In fact, you can have absolutely nothing written down, but if you got Jesus, your resume's full. But maybe God is preparing you like he prepared Peter. As Christians, I'm just going to be honest with you. As God spoke to me, I believe he's speaking to this church. We've gotten lazy. He said, Brother John, we've seen great things happen in this church. A couple years ago, we saw 71 people get saved and baptized. Last year, we saw 47 people get saved and baptized. Well, praise God, but the numbers don't need to be going down. They ought to be going up. And when I start to see trends like that, I get scared. I get nervous. And I begin to wonder, God, what's going on? What do you want us to do? God wants us to wake up, to see the light and prepare for what he has in store for us. God wants to do great things here. I'm telling you, tell you, I am not satisfied with just doing the good any longer. I hope you're ready. And I hope God is speaking to you But God will only speak to you if you're willing to listen. Some of us have selective hearing in church. The selective hearing hearing I'm talking about in church is some of y'all have listened to this message going, I wish so-and-so was here that they could hear that message. You're here today because God wanted to speak to you. Where are you at? Is God preparing you to be his witness, to be his disciple? Is God preparing you for salvation this morning? Whatever it is, I pray this morning, during this invitation, you'll come. There got a lot of people down here. Will you come this morning? I know God is speaking to you. Trust me, God has been speaking to me since 5 o'clock this morning, and I just can't wait to see what he's going to do. Don't quench the spirit. Don't grieve him. Don't sit back. Don't settle down. Don't grip on the pew. If God is telling you to move, you move. Move.